This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello, and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here, along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at HuskerCuzCast, for all podcast updates and more. We have finally reached the end of the 2020 season. The Huskers ended their season with a win by beating Ruggers on the road 28-21. We'll look at that game in a few minutes. We'll also evaluate the season as a whole. We'll be looking at the strengths and weaknesses on offense and defense. We'll throw out some awards and some other season tidbits. But first, Nebraska, they declined a bowl game. They voted as a team on Saturday. It kind of seemed like they were going to vote no, uh, just the way that this has been a crazy year. Uh, it's been a long year. They haven't seen their families. Uh, Derek, did they make the right decision here? Probably. I, you know, I, as a fan, I'm disappointed. I really would have liked to see another game. But at the end of the day, they didn't deserve it. They were three and five, so they probably didn't deserve a bowl game. And I, I get it. Like th- these guys, uh, I, I believe Cam Taylor Britt's mom tweeted out a photo of Cam Taylor Britt and talked about how this is the first time she had seen him in eight months and how happy she was. Got to hug him. And yeah, I mean, it, it's understandable. It's disappointing as a fan, but it's understandable. Tyler, what did you think? I mean, were you expecting a bowl game? I, I was. I mean, you know, you look at the season, you know, Nebraska fought so hard to play. And I think if you would rewind to August, and you would have pulled out the scenario that Nebraska would have an opportunity to play one more game and say no, I think that would have shocked any of us. Derek, you're right. Under every circumstance, I get it. Like, they hadn't seen their families. The team appeared to be really banged up down the stretch. Um, you know, Adrian Martinez, who knows what his availability was. Wandale got banged up. You know, you really saw the team get banged up. You're, you came off a of victory. There wasn't a lot to play for. A victory probably doesn't change much. A loss, now you're coming off a loss. I, everything makes sense. I just, I would have thought this team would have done one more game. Just one more and called it. Just to add to that, Tyler, I mean, you got Luke McCaffrey doesn't suit up. You got Xavier Betts not playing. You got uh, Luke Reimer not playing. Uh, Colin Miller had been out. I, I mean, I just there were so many players hurt at that point. I, I kind of get that aspect too, but it's still disappointing as a fan. Yeah, and 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 we all know what Frost went through too. I mean, he had, his dad died right as the season's beginning. I feel like he was, you know, year three, and we're going to talk about this. Obviously, didn't meet expectations, and as much as we want to complain about stuff, we all know there's no one wants that wants success at Nebraska more than Scott Frost. I mean, you know, he gets vilified for wanting to play. I mean that man. He he's like, I need a week off. Like, wait, did you did you, did you get that impression that he was okay with sitting it out? I, I, mean, I did you okay? I kind of thought that he kind of wanted a, another game. I mean, I know, maybe I'm wrong. I think he. I mean, I think that he was going to back the players on this. I I think that one thing that Frost has been clear about in all of this, and again, is that he was going to do what the <clears> players <throat> wanted to do. Um, I, I don't think he was pushing the team one way or another, but I mean, I think he knew where the team was. 
because they started talking about it right after the game. Right after yeah. the game, there was doubt if they'd accept the bull. So I think he used everything he could to muster the team into Rutgers. Well, you saw a lot of players, you know, they were participating in senior day. They were taking a lot of pictures, doing like farewells on Twitter, taking their final team pictures or, you know, position group pictures, posting that. So I guess the writing was on the wall there. But headed into the game, I kind of thought that if Nebraska had won that game, that there was a good chance that they were going to take another game. Uh, If they had had lost, then okay, yeah. I I didn't think there was any chance in hell that they would take a game. Do you think if we had beat Minnesota, would we have taken another game? I think so. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there'd be a lot of momentum headed into that. Uh, You know, I mean, look. (laughs) Unfortunately, the sad truth is this team and coaching staff—they're used to spending Christmas at home. I mean, (laughs) there's four straight years. So, I mean, three straight years with Frost, but I mean, they're used to staying at home. But no, I kid, I kid. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, it would have been fine to see another game, maybe, but it was a disappointing year. We'll talk about that in the season recap. Uh, but first, let's talk about uh, Ruggers. Uh, let's get into this Ruggers recap here. This is a game where Nebraska trailed at halftime to lowly Ruggers. A lot of turnovers. Uh, Tyler, what are your overall thoughts on this game here? So, so. You know, you say lowly Rutgers, and and I'm not going to ever hang a banner on beating Rutgers. You should beat Rutgers. You should have beat Rutgers by a lot more. But let's not pretend like all season we weren't sitting here saying, you know, that Rutgers team, they've got some things going for them. Um, now, they, now, they were without Noah Vedral this game, and, you know, and that obviously I think impacted their offense. But we were without some key guys, too. Guys, this is, again, not hanging a banner, but... Let's not pretend like this is a, the Rutgers of old. This this Rutgers had a lot of fight and had impressed us throughout the season. Um, so I mean, th- to pull off a victory is it, it it's not nothing. Well, it, just just to add to that, let's not make it. Let's not make up shit here, Justin. You've been talking better about Rutgers this year, and you haven't Nebraska for most of the season. Yeah. Like, and, and now you're going, oh, it's lowly Rutgers. Well, that's the national. That's the national perception. That's the conference perception that Ruggers is the. They're they're the gold standard of the bottom dweller. I mean, if you talk about bottom dwellers, it's like, well, you know, you're Ruggers. You know, that's that's what that's what it comes to. It's usually Ruggers in Illinois. You're right. Yeah, but but uh, but we all sat here and did talk about how much better Ruggers was this year than what anybody anticipated. Oh yeah, Greg Schiano, Tyler, hell of a coach, right? Outside yeah, of Tom Allen, he's probably number two for coach of the year. I, I, I mean, that, that's right. Not. Pat, Pat, Fitzgerald, right? Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah. Anyone? Anyone? No, who's, no one still associated who, on him. Who's Pat Fitzgerald? He never gets credit for anything. <laughs> not to you by you two. <laughs> that's because he never has a good game. Everybody has a bad game against them. <laughs> no, but keep it with the Ruggers. All right, so let's talk about offense here. Uh, Derek, what what did you think about the offense uh, in this game? Ah, oh, man, I, you know, honestly, I could make the argument this was the best offensive performance we've seen all year. I could turn around and make an argument it was probably one of the worst offensive performances we've seen all year. Yeah, you know, we had six hundred twenty yards, but we had four turnovers. Uh, I apparently wearing sleeves is impossible to hold onto a ball. 
Maybe that's that slick material that they make uh, T-shirts out of these days, but Adrian Martinez could not hold on to a ball with that long sleeve shirt on. So in the middle of the second quarter, after his second fumble, third fumble, whatever, he uh, cut him off and did better. Uh, he had a one interception that was an amazing interception by a defender. It was a one-handed grab in the end zone. I, it, was, it wasn't a great pass by Martinez, but it was a great interception. And then he had an interception that was just atrocious, a t- terrible pass. But he had four incomplete passes. It just happened to be that two of them were for interceptions. Yeah. I, he only had two incomplete passes the whole game. And it's not like he didn't throw the ball. He threw the ball 28 times, uh, had 255 yards pass, or passing and 181 yards rushing. Like, phenomenal. And then you get Dedrick Mills involved for the first time all damn year. And I don't know if that's because of injury or if it was just good scheme against this defense, but Dedrick <clears throat> Mills pulls out 196 yards on 25 carries. He about doubled his carries for the season, I think. Yeah, that was that was definitely the bright spot seeing Diedrich Mills because I was high on Diedrich Mills headed into the season. He's the guy that I, I predicted to be a thousand yard rusher, and he damn sure didn't pan out. Uh, but uh, in this but game, I think we this all, is the, I I, th- I think we were all high on Diedrich Mills. I don't think anybody else was anticipating a thousand yard season, but we were all anticipating him to have a good season. Yeah. But, it, you know, had we seen this Diedrich Mills over the course of the whole year, he, he all right, Tyler, you're, you're, you're still not a believer. You're shaking your head. Go no, ahead. I, I mean, you're right. If we had seen that Diedrich Mills all season, then, you know, who knows what would have happened. But, you know, I, and the story on Mills's career is if you look at last year, he had uh he had 200-yard games, and obviously the game that everyone talks about is the Wisconsin game where he ran for 188 yards. Like, he is, to me, he seems like he's a guy good for one of these types of games a year. Um, it, You know, we'll, we'll probably talk about this. If he comes back, it would be interesting to see if he could get this momentum going to be able to run like that all year long. I don't know if we've seen enough evidence to say he can, but, I mean, you know, Derek, every, I mean, you got, I mean, this offense was humming. Adrian was running well, even though he was gimped up. Mills was great. I mean, we were replacing Brandon Hymas. You know, it seems like in the first game of left tackle, he wasn't playing and however many starts. I mean, he had over 40 starts in his career. And I, you didn't miss a beat with Turner Cochran. You feel good about the future there. Wandale was Wandale. I mean, it, it was, he got in the end zone finally twice. Yeah. Um. And, and I mean, so you, you, you really kind of feel like okay, like this was a game on a lot of sides that we put it together on offense. The turnovers about lost it. The penalties were bad again. Um. You know, this will be something that Frost and company are heading into another offseason trying to figure out. So w- one more thing about Mills here is that a credit to him for him getting all those yards, or is it a real credit to Frost for actually? committing to the run and staying with the run. I mean, what do you think about the game plan there? Well, I, I, I don't know, but I'll say this. You know, if, if you take if – if before you adjust for all the yards lost and sacks and negative plays, Nebraska rushed for 401 yards against this team. 
You know, we had two players get damn near 200 yards rushing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you want to give that credit to Frost, because Frost could have done this all year. Yeah. I, it, it, but, but, but it was never effective like it was in this game. So yeah. I understand why Frost wasn't continuing to run the ball through part of the season, because the run game just wasn't working at times. Well, they didn't have Turner Corcoran all year. Well, Man, it, it, I, but but is, <laughs> was he the difference? Honestly, I don't know what the difference is. I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into that game. You know, that was a Ruggers defense. I mean, Ruggers they haven't been known for playing defense all year long. No. Uh, so I mean, that had a true, lot to do true, with it. True, but neither was Minnesota. We couldn't move the ball against them either. Yeah, that's the, it, it, that's it, a huge. It, it was another yeah. terrible defense that we couldn't move the ball against. Purdue. Very well. I mean, if you're I mean, ra- yeah. if you're ranking the defenses we played against this year, I mean, certainly I Rutgers is on the bottom half. But I mean, you know, wh- where are they at on the scale of the bottom half? Are they the second worst defense we played all the year? The I mean, fourth. I mean, you know, are they? I mean, it's it's a uh, it, it's again, it's not lowly Rutgers. But you talk about Mills; he had a Nebraska high, I don't maybe a career high in rushing attempts at twenty five. Last year, his season high, to, high was 24 carries. Um, you know, the coaches felt really comfortable feeding the rock. He was being productive. We had we have talked about him being a three-yard average guy. He wasn't a three-yard guy that on uh, Saturday. He, in fact, ran for 7.64 yards per carry. Highly productive, busted runs. Derek's least favorite play with him is stretch plays on the outside. That was even working. Like, when he would bounce it outside, I mean, it, it was a... It was really, really good game. Um, it, he he looked like he did against Wisconsin last year when everybody jumped on the ban, uh, the Diedrich Mills bandwagon. Yeah, and if he comes back, you know what? Justin's going to pan him for fifteen hundred yards next year. Oh, it'll be two thousand next. year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we have twelve games, hey, Justin's going to crown. If him. we hit two thousand, wouldn't that point to a pretty damn good year next year? Well, you'd hope so. Hey, you know. Uh, uh, I credit Go Big Redcast with this stat, but uh, there was a stat that uh, the last year headed into this game, Nebraska didn't have one uh, running back with over 100 yards rushing. The last time that happened was uh, 1964, I believe. Wow. That long without a running back with 100 yards. And that just doesn't seem like that's... I mean, Yeah. Obviously, that makes sense if you think about it, because Nebraska's always ran the ball well. So you got to go back in time. Wow. But I, I do have to say that you know it really helps an offense when you're keeping the ball for 39 minutes in a game. Yeah, like that 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 helps. And, and when you're going seven for 13 on fourth or third down conversions, that helps. And we gave the ball back to him four times. It's <laughs> still had the ball, you know. That, and that doesn't speak well for Rutgers. But well, let's. A lot of that credit goes to the defense. So let's uh, keep it with the defense. Let's go with the defense. Uh, Derek, tell us about that. All right, I, defense. I, again, you, statistically, you could look at this game and talk about this. Might have been the best de- uh, defensive game we've had all year. We only gave up two hundred and fifty-two yards total offense. Uh, only gave up nine first downs in the whole game. Uh, The defense technically only gave up uh, 13 points, or 14, I guess, if you count the two-point conversion. 
Nick Henrik had himself a damn good game, guys. He another, did. another. He led the team in tackles again. Had twelve tackles. But here's a stat that just really proved how good this defense was playing. We had eight tackles for losses. And they only had 52 plays. So, I mean, we had a pretty good high percentage of getting them behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, uh, Cam Taylor-Britt continues to be a bright spot in this defense. Uh, I know, I, I'm sure he will get talked about here when we talk about the, the, <coughs> uh, the season review. But, man, this, this defense looked like they were ready. I, I think the defense was ready to play another game. They we're pumped up and ready to go. Yeah, well, Garrett Nelson said in the in the post game presser that he definitely wanted to play another game, and I sure there, I'm sure that there's a lot of defensive players that did want to play another game. They wanted to keep the momentum going, but uh, maybe not so much on that offensive side. <laughs> Wave the white flag, <laughs> call it uncle. I don't know. Tyler, what do you think about the defense? Well, I mean, you you mentioned Garrett Nelson, and I think Garrett Nelson had, um, you know, one of his best games of the season. I thought he, you know, for a guy that, you know, at times has been a little bit reckless, I thought he played a really good game. Jojo Doman had a nice game. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I am very happy with where this defense came around this season. Um, I'm very happy with with the performance and strides that they have made, and I feel like on Saturday, they put it on display. You take away that long pass in the, you know, the, the first pass attempt they made of the game where they just completely burned us deep. I mean, it was pretty much lockdown city besides a fourth down, which Nebraska has to be the worst fourth down team in the country, or at least in the conference. I mean, it seems like, no, I think the stat is, and I don't know if Derek has it handy, but we're like second to the bottom in the big 10 and fourth down percentage. But I gotta imagine we're giving up the most yards per attempt on fourth down because I feel like I've seen that play three or four times on fourth down where they run it, get past our linebackers, and they are off to the races. Yeah. Well, and that—that's that, a problem. Is you're sitting at a fourth and one, fourth and two, and you're stacking a box trying to stop the run. Well, if they get past that that, that first level, there's nobody left to stop them. Yeah. You know, there's whatever a, reason it has happened at least at least twice this year I could think of that they went for it on fourth and one got a touchdown. Yeah, both once against Penn State and once against Rutgers. I, Minnesota I know for a did. Fact it. it happened. Minnesota, Minnesota did. Yeah. Do it? Minnesota okay. did. So yeah, so at I mean, least three times it's happened. Yeah, it hasn't fared well. You know, uh, there, there's a little bit of stuff riding on this game. Uh, Josh Peterson is sixteen twenty. He said that if Nebraska lost this game, Nebraska would finished last in the conference. The last time that Nebraska finished last in the conference was 1957. Man, there's wow. so there's two stats out there that just goes to show, you know, in, in a weird season like this, man, there's a there's a lot riding on this uh in those areas, especially finishing last. We haven't it's not like we've been finishing up there anyway. We're we're kind of at the bottom of the division, bottom half of the division the last few years. But finishing last, that's got to be the biggest kick in the balls. Now, speaking of kick in the balls, Derek, how about those special teams, man? Man, I, you know, uh, man, I, I've been content with the special teams. They've played well. Not, not great. I'm not going to sit here and talk about special teams like it was the best thing of this team because it wasn't. Uh, but, but they played respectable. I mean, 
we did things we did some things really decent this season and it all went out the window holy shit it all went out the window we forgot all about kickoff coverages uh we gave up another fourth and 14 punt fake punt that the punter just runs with it and i think uh illinois was the one that did it to us last time right yeah and it's the same thing like geez guys Boy, come on they're running i don't together. know i just i just remember the fake punt being the stop like the guy like he took a break he had lunch this, this one this one wasn't a whole lot better like there was nobody on the side of the field he ran to uh you know uh, god dang it was just so agonizing to watch special teams and, and there were times the special teams still looked okay but it just you give up a touchdown on a kickoff return. They had another big kickoff return. Uh, in fact, they they oh god, this is so so bad. But they had 192 yards on kickoff returns. 192 yards on five kickoffs. Damn near as many as they did total offense, huh? <laughs> yeah, pretty close. They they damn near had what Dedrick Mills had on them. Yeah, that's. I, I mean. I mean, but Rutgers has been doing that all year. I mean, they lead the Big Ten in uh, in kickoff return yards. They've had two touchdowns this year. Um, they lead it in average. I mean, every stat on kickoff returns. I mean, the the kick returner was special teams player of the year or kick returner of the year. I mean, they, they've been doing this. And, and you heard yeah, Frost's comment after the game about that kickoff return. Like, they're asked, like, why did you decide to kick to him? And he's like... Well, we really didn't decide that, but they were getting really good field position with the pooch kick, so we tried something. Di- I mean, it's like, oh my god, it just and, and, and that's the second time that punt returner has done that to Nebraska. I know yeah. Wisconsin. He was a Wisconsin kid. He did yes. that, uh, and we did the year. same thing against Wisconsin, where we pooch kick, pooch kick, pooch kick. And we were like, all right, we're tired of getting, giving them good field position, so kick it deep, and then he returns it for a touchdown. Yeah, no. Actually, I'm wrong on that. It was early we kicked him. It was we got a touchdown on the first drive, and then kicked it to him. He tied it up. That's right. Wisconsin. You know, Nebraska I, should just apply for a waiver. They should apply for a waiver to be allowed to kick off from the 45. That way, we can just have <laughs> touchback after touchback. I mean, because they need they need but, to do something. But honestly, kickoffs kickoff coverage has been really good this year until this game. Yeah. We were a top, we were a top fifteen team in kickoff coverage until this game. All right, well, let's move on to the season recap here, and uh, let's uh, evaluate things. We'll take a look at the strengths and weaknesses, and, uh, and other items. Uh, we'll start off with the offense, and the big story out of the offense is definitely the quarterback situation. Uh, Tanner. Talk about this quarterback situation and how it evolved, and uh, what are your thoughts? Did we get better? You know, I, I think that you know when you look at the 2020 season on offense, I think it will be very much defined by the quarterback. Um, better or worse, I think that's happened. You know, we went into the year thinking, hey, we got two good quarterbacks. We got, we, hey, if Adrian Martinez doesn't pan out, we have Luke McCaffrey. And I think, you know, week one against Ohio State, you're like, yeah, this is a quarterback-driven team. You know, week two, yeah, okay, Adrian may not be the guy. Luke comes in, plays a good game. You know, then Illinois happens, and everyone in the 
state of Nebraska stole stock and then Adrian comes back and you know he he ends up putting together a decent second half of the season um I I think when you look at this year for the quarterback I think I was overall satisfied with them um I'm probably a little bit higher I think that what we asked out of that quarterback room was a lot and and it was a lot with their leg I mean we we joked about this if it wasn't for the quarterback run we didn't have an offense this year and yep. and I know when you talk about quarterbacks, you want to talk about passing, but at Nebraska, we have a history of being a quarterback run room. So this is the first time we haven't had a great passing game out of the, um, you know, Adrian Martinez ended up finishing second in the Big Ten in completion percentage. He he threw for over 70% on the season, um, you know, had two interceptions on the year or three interceptions on the year, um, you know. Not a bad season um, as far as completion percentage, but we, the the storyline was inability to throw down the field, which is more than just the quarterback. Quarterbacks own a part of that. But no, I think that when we look at this 2020 year, I don't know what's next at quarterback. I have no idea. Probably a conversation for another day, but it, it was definitely the conversation of the season. Derek, your thoughts on quarterback? Ah, I, I agree with Tyler on what a lot of you said there. Uh, a lot of the stats you look at, you see the 71% completion percentage. You're going, man, Adrian Martinez got better because last year he's what, 59%? So it looked a lot better, but we didn't throw downfield. Uh, you look at the only three interceptions. That looks pretty decent. I go, oh, he only threw three interceptions. That looks pretty good. And, and two of them came against Rutgers. So, I mean, really, it seemed like a pretty good year, but he only threw four touchdown passes. Uh, yeah, it was, I guess you could make an argument either way with it. Uh, I don't think the quarterback was the biggest problem. Uh, I, we need to get some wide receivers developed. We need to get some running backs developed. I've been saying that throughout the whole season. Uh, but we, we need to get some development out of these quarterbacks too. It's not like he throws great passes every time. They're not crisp passes. Yes. He throws a high percentage of passes, but it's uh, very short passes, most generally speaking, and we do. I he threw his best pass of the game uh, of the year was probably this last game when he threw that dime to uh, uh, Wondell Robinson down the field, and he made a basket catch and slid into second base with it. Yeah. But but other than that, he hadn't thrown downfield with high percentage at all all year. Yeah, you know, headed into the year, you know, what did what did you hear Scott Frost uh, say? You know, they had uh, two number ones, you know, at at quarterback, Luke McCaffrey and Adrian Martinez. They were almost co number ones, and you know, Adrian Martinez. He started off the year, and I haven't been too high on Adrian Martinez. Then I saw uh, Luke McCaffrey from Penn State. That was it didn't look good, but we got our first win of the year. Then headed he, he looked he looked okay in that game. He looked okay. For, for his first start, he looked pretty he, good. Yeah, he he yeah, he did. But headed to the next game to Illinois, I mean, that was and a they disaster. Him. I, I've said I think I've said this three or four times throughout the year too. They should have pulled him entirely much earlier than they did. But ultimately and gave, and gave Martinez a chance to come back and win that game. Ultimately, I think we were slightly deceived. I don't think we had true number one quarterbacks on the team. 
I don't know if uh, either of these guys are something that you can build around a winning team headed into the future. Uh, we've seen Adrian Martinez. This is his junior year. He's headed into his senior year. I'm not feeling confident headed into next year if Adrian Martinez is our guy. Uh, Luke McCaffrey, he's not ready for this type of stage. Maybe he has a tremendous offseason. I don't don't know if I agree with that, just because I don't know if we've seen enough of of Luke McCaffrey. We've We've seen him have a decent game, and we've seen him have a really bad game. I don't know what we're getting out of him. I'm not going to judge him just on, I, I, and I've probably been the harshest guy on Luke McCaffrey, but I don't, I'm not going to judge him off of one game. And again, Adrian Martinez, we've seen him shine at times, but we've seen him be really bad at times. Both quarterbacks are, were really bad at turnovers this year. Luke McCaffrey, especially there's a lot of turnovers between those two quarterbacks. That's not what you expect out of a junior quarterback. That's not what you want to see out of a quarterback that you want that you think can be the future. Uh it was pretty admirable that he was a gunslinger in the beginning, but at the times that he came in, uh later on in the year, he would just chuck the ball and it's just poor decision making. And is it on them? Is it on the play calling? Is it on Mario Verdusco? Man there's a lot of ingredients there that uh, makes for a bad recipe. Uh, well, when it when it comes to Adrian Martinez, he didn't throw a lot of interceptions. I mean, he really didn't. Yeah, he just threw. again, again two, good uh, two of them were against Rutgers, and it again one of them was just a great interception. Whatever. Anyway, it, it's the fumbling. So maybe stop having him run the ball twenty times a game. If you take that part out of the offense, I mean, why even have him in there like, though? Again, that's why we need a damn running back. Well, well, Justin, well, I'll disagree with you on this is I, I don't think I think the guys are in the locker room. I, I think that Adrian Martinez um, and, and Luke McCaffrey, I think they have talent to play. I, I, I really did not deny it. I think that in Luke McCaffrey's standpoint, too, and, and, you know, you talk about the the Penn State and Illinois games. But let's not forget, he played that whole fourth quarter against Northwestern, and that's what earned him the job. I mean, he he went 75% down the stretch and, yes, struggled in that red zone, and ultimately we couldn't win the game. But, you know, there there was some hope on the kid. I, I'm not ready to think he won't play. Am I quite as confident in the future of Luke McCaffrey as I was before the season? No. I just, I, I think when you look at that quarterback room, Something's got to change, and and if and and there's a lot that probably does, but you know, you talk about not throwing down the field. That's on the quarterbacks, but that's on our wide receivers and tight ends, and that's on the offensive line. Because how how many times did it seem like we went back to take a shot, and whatever reason we did a check down, or all of a sudden Adrian Martinez, or had all of a sudden he took off running. And, and and maybe that's some on the quarterback, but I take that more on the players not getting open down the field, their offensive line not holding protection. Um, I, I, know, I just I, I think it's easy to put the, this all on the quarterback, and I don't know what the percentage is. Is it forty percent, fifty percent? But it, it, I, it's not all on that quarterback room. 
I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. One thing I was impressed with Adrian Martinez this year is something people, everybody complained so much about last year was his decisiveness to tuck and run. Like, if he got in a little bit of trouble, he did run the ball. If he had yeah. open field, he did run the ball. He did run and, the ball great. Yeah, that, and, that was... And I was... And I was last that, year, it wasn't. Last year, that was their biggest complaint of him. Yes, you're right. And, and I will say, and, and I and what say what you will, how much this matters, but I, don't you feel good about, especially Adrian Martinez as a leader? Like, I mean... You know, I, I brought I brought this up, but like I think it was David Benning, Damon Benning, who said when when Adrian got pulled, he was done. There was no way he was going to have the emotional strength to ever rebound at Nebraska under that, and he did. And again, you talk about this season and the disappointment as it as it was. It would have been much worse without that quarterback play. And you look at the conference. I I mean, or I. Me, I probably have Nebraska quarterbacks in the top five. Okay. In the conference. I mean, and do with that as you will. I mean, I think that there are, I think there are a lot of teams in the Big Ten that would gladly trade Nebraska for quarterback situation. A lot? More than half. Think so? I, I don't know. I, I haven't run, have down, I haven't run through that has? scenario. I don't know. I, I, I can't possibly imagine that would be true. Michigan, do you think yeah. Michigan would trade Nebraska? Who is the guy that came in at the end of the year for uh, Milton? I don't know. How many games did he win? Uh, shit, I One don't know. against Rutgers in triple overtime? Did they play any in the last four weeks? <laughs> yeah, they haven't, yeah, they haven't played in so long. I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, like, and we can do that. We can do that as a, a future episode kind of like rank uh, the quarterbacks, that would be kind of be interesting. I'm not as, obviously I'm not as high on the quarterback situation at Nebraska as you you guys are. Outside of the running, you know, I mean, they, you know, Adrian Martinez and uh, Luke McCaffrey, uh, they led the team in rushing. They're quarterbacks. That that shouldn't happen. We should use running backs. Diedrich Mills is number two. Did oh he he passed up Luke McCaffrey there at the Ruggers game? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I mean, uh, here's my thing, and, and again, I I'll, I'm going to repeat it. Tyler's kind of said it. The, my whole thing is I you're I just think you put too much blame on the quarterbacks. Where we need some wide receiver development. I think we have a great talented room in that that wide receiver room. So we need somebody to develop them. So let's do this. Let's talk about the strengths and weaknesses on offense. Let's talk about the strengths first. What are the what were the strengths on offense? And if it's the quarterbacks that you want to say, we've you know just say quarterbacks. We've already had the discussion. Uh, but go ahead with your strengths, Derek. Ah man, I, I I this was tough for me. Really, really was tough for me, but. I, the strength I would go with would probably be tight ends. And that was just because I thought Austin Allen made such a big name for himself. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I think this is going to be a short conversation. Uh, Tyler, what were your strengths on offense? I'll go quarterback, but I'm, I'm not going to say tight end is the weakness, but I, I, I disagree with them being a strength. Austin Allen. What what a nice season that young man had. But Jack Stoll, I know he was banged up, but seven catches on the air. Okay. Travis Vo- Vokalek, uh, you know, you thought good things could come out of him. 
eight catches on the year, 91 yards. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I, I really thought this tight end room would have been pushing a thousand yards receiving. <laughs> obviously, Tyler, obviously. Can I stop you for team. a second? Can yeah. I stop you for a second? Like, I know you're knocking, you know, just the few catches that Vokalek and Stoll had, but I mean, let's see here. They were, we had three of the top six. Tight ends had three of the top six wide receivers receptions. It's not like we spread the ball out all over the place. Uh, I mean, nobody had catches. I mean, you had you had one Dale Robinson, and then everybody else had a few. Yeah, that's that's what it was. That's what it was. But but but, but I get that. And but everyone wants to be critical of this the wide receiver room, and there's a lot of blame to go around there. That's for sure. But I think that when I look at that, I just I I think one of my hot takes was I thought that the tight ends were going to have. Uh, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I, I expected a bigger year out of the tight ends. And maybe that was my expectations not being met. I n- thought this wide receiver room was going to be in trouble. I really did. I thought the tight end group was better. And and again, not that it's weak, but like, and to Derek's point, I mean, and your guys, I mean, there's not a lot of strengths to pull from on this offense, which is the most concerning thing in year three of Scott Frost's offense is that how bad it was. Um, but you know, I think overall, um, you know, the quarterback run, I, I go back to this. We talked about how, you know, the bit, the, the quarterbacks really led the team. Um, but Nebraska was number two in the Big Ten in rushing yards per game. So, you know, yes, that was driven by the quarterback, but it was really, really successful. Like, number two in the Big Ten in rushing yards per game and driven by the quarterback position. Like, I, I, I think that that is really easy to kind of poo-poo the, the, the team and say, well, that's not what you want, but it worked. It worked really well. And the, the passing game was bad, and I think the tight ends, like, I don't know, because of Austin Allen's emergence, I think kind of got a little bit more of a pass than... I, it wasn't as far down the road as I thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, I think the strength... There's one strength on the offense, and it was tight ends. I mean, we did everything that we could to get Wandale Robinson the ball. He had 51 receptions for 461 yards. Austin Allen had 18 receptions for 236 yards. I mean, we were getting over 13 yards uh, uh, per completion out of Austin Allen. You know, just nine with Wandale. Much more efficient with with uh, Austin Allen. Uh, and then after that, after those two guys, I mean, it, it was a drop-off. It The passing game, and I guess this is good. I'll just start off with the weaknesses. Uh, the passing game, that was a very weak on the offense. Uh, the wide receivers outside of Wandale, there, were, there was no consistency uh, with people even playing, truthfully. The coaches, their personnel groups, uh, putting people in. People would come in, and then they'd go on hiatus for a while. Then maybe they'd come in a few games later, and that was a pattern. Uh, we lost one of the future guys this year, Marcus Fleming. I thought Marcus Fleming, after that game that he had with Northwestern, 75 yards, uh, five receptions. I thought this dude was going to make a huge impact in the future at Nebraska. and. He transferred out, 
Uh, guys like Xavier Betts, uh, whatever game that he had, the, the, the jet sweep touchdown there. And then what happened to that? I mean, he kind of goes on the shelf for a while. There, there's does he? I mean, he's like our third leading receiver on the team. I mean, but when you say that, what, what are you talking about, though? Because it's so it's it's so small. I mean, he's got he had twelve receptions all year long, so it's not like he's he's up there. Well, I I, I understand that, but you talk about one play. It's not like that one play made him so great that all of a sudden he had touched the ball sixteen times a game. Well, that that was a play that got. There's a lot of excitement uh, around the receiving court because we hadn't seen a, a passing threat. You know, Luke McCaffrey, he, he dishes that off, and even, he gets even credit that for play it. Wasn't even a pat. Even that play wasn't even. Tech, I mean, it was technically a pass play, but it wasn't even really a passing play. Correct. The point is, he, he demonstrated great playmaking ability, and then for some reason, the coaching staff went away from that. They weren't putting him in as much, and I just I thought that was a huge mistake for Xavier Betts. It was a huge mistake for uh, Marcus Fleming. That's why he's gone. It there's a we lot. No, we don't we don't know why he's gone. Um, but I, I, I'm st- I'm still leaning towards I think Marcus Fleming was kicked off the team more than transferred. But 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 I want to I want to go to my weakness here, and, and it goes to that running back room. You know, we talked about what we thought from Mills, and yes, injuries did derail his season, but like, and, and it's hard to say how much 100% he was in the games he played, but the games he played wasn't great. And then after Mills, there was a lot of skepticism by me about the season, but I did think we had talent with Ramir Johnson, Ronald Tompkins, Marvin Scott, uh, Sevian Morrison, um, and frankly, none of those guys looked even close to the number two guy. And I think that 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 was something I was concerned about going into the year. And as concerned as I was, I never thought it was going to be that bad. Um, That that running back room looks a mile away. You're hoping a year in the offseason gets them along. But, I mean, you know, wide receivers and and definitely bad. But Wandale, you got to remember, he's a wide receiver. Um, You were playing a lot of young guys. I think Levi Falk ended up playing pretty well. I think you looked at what he ended up developing. I think he took the role that a lot of us thought Cade Warner would be. Yeah. Um, Cade Warner obviously didn't have the year that we thought <laughs> anyone thought he would have. But um, but but you really look well, at this. No, other than playing time, we didn't really miss out on that much on Cade Warner. Like we all, we, we nobody expected him to be a great passing threat. The only no, thing we but, ever expected him to do was be out there blocking. But we had good perimeter blocking. At time, a lot of the times, well, he, he until until we got the younger guys out there, then it kind of went away. But well, that that's that was really shit. But the the Cade Warner had probably the two worst drops of the season. Yeah. Uh, two end zone, two touchdown drops. Uh, you know, maybe that maybe now we have which more possibly, past- which possibly cost us at least one game. Yeah, if not two. But was it one against Ohio State? No, one was against Northwestern. I don't. The other one might. It was after that. That was his first one. Was against Northwestern. I'm pretty sure. Okay, the, the other one would have been against Penn State or Illinois because the other one was Luke McCaffrey. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, it I just might, I, I think that Illinois then. 
I, I just, but anyway, my, my biggest weakness is that running back room. Um, I'll, I'll, that, that's a, that's a room I'm, you know, but I still think they're young and they're, they're, I'm not completely without hope, but pretty close. And this year it was bad. Derek's talk about some of the weaknesses that you saw in offense. Oh man. Uh, I, I gotta tend to agree with Tyler with the, with the running back room. Uh, that, that was probably my number one. Uh, number two was being able to keep the, keep drives going with third down conversions. Uh, but if we're talking specifically position groups, it was, it was running backs. You, you can't rely on quarterbacks throwing the ball that much. You just can't. You, you, you need to have somebody who can run a damn ball. And we, we did not have that. And Diedrich Mills got banged up. And after that, it was hit and miss. I mean, there wasn't even hit and miss. It was just miss. Like, we had nobody. I, I thought Ramir Johnson was going to have a great year. I, I truly did. I, I was high on Ramir Johnson to start this year. And I thought he was going to be great. And I don't know if that guy got 100 yards rushing this year. I don't know if he got 50 yards rushing this year. He had 30. Close. <laughs> and, and is he the second highest running back? Or is Marvin Scott? Uh, Didrick Mills, 396. Wandell, 240. Marvin Scott had 62. Ramirez, 30. Ronald Tompkins, 24. And Cooper Jewett with two. Yeah, it's Well, but like Ramir Johnson, and, and he didn't play a lot. And I think that was a concern, but like he had eight carries for under four yards a carry. Like it wasn't like he got these, you know, well, he only got limited spots, but in his spots, he looked great. Like I think he played okay, but I mean, he definitely wasn't lighting the world on fire in his limited no. touches. It just. No, he wasn't. And I, I think, I think to start the year, I think he did okay. And it just kind of, they put him back in towards the end of the year. I believe this last game he had one carry for zero yards. Well, Ronald Tompkins was that guy. I think Ronald Tompkins, I think we all thought he had a little bit in him, and I don't know what happened to him. Um, Ronald Tompkins kind of feels like the Brody Belt to me. Yeah, but he came into Ohio State. He came into Ohio State, and he he looked good. he's He's the guy that the coaches all talked about having this great fall season. And then it comes into games, and you barely see him. Well, you saw him in Ohio State, and you, I don't think you saw him after Ohio State. Not in anything meaningful. I mean... Maybe. I, and so, so I, I don't know. So what's the deal with that? I, I, no did idea. Did he get banged up in Ohio State, and that's the end of it, or... No idea. Scott Frost, I, it's not like he, he tells anybody, but if it was a season-ending injury I, or I, something, and I, yeah. And I understand that, but it just... It's frustrating. He, I, he only played in, the, the he only played back in two games. To me, the, the running back room was, was definitely the biggest disappointment to me. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the defense here. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of strengths on this side because that defense, it kind of uh, exceeded our expectations a little bit. Uh, so I want to start with you, Tyler, because you were really high on this defense headed into the year. Well, so I, I made a bold prediction that Nebraska would have a top 50 defense. And, and and I missed on that. I missed on that. They were 52nd in the country in total defense. So pretty close. I mean, they finished 7th in the Big Ten. Um, I, I, I was overall really happy with where this defense was. I think we've talked about this. Um, 
you know, were they perfect? No. I mean, obviously not. Um, but but I think where we kind of thought this defense would be, I think they exceeded um, a lot of people's expectations. Todd, I just got a question for you there. Uh, what was the what was the uh, yard differential between fifty two and being top fifty? Do you know by by off um, the top of your head? I it is. Um, I got it right here. It is uh, less than three yards a game. Okay, so I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty damn close to be a top fifty defense. The, the yeah. defense really, honestly, took a giant stride this year. They really did. Yeah. Uh, I, I know you can look at some statistics and look at where they are in the Big Ten, uh, and you can sit here and go, "Oh, well, they really weren't that much better because statistics don't prove it." Uh, but man, the eyeball test—they, they, you know, last year it was yards per carry, uh, especially on running or on rushing. Uh, they, we were giving up almost five yards a carry last year, and this year I think we gave up like five, five point one or five point two. Uh, we we took off almost, almost damn near a whole yard off of our yards per carry, and that's a huge step. I, I I don't sound like much, but that's a huge step for a defense. It really is, uh, man. Just, Justin's right. There's a lot of strengths on this on this defense. Yeah, I mean, God, th- there's a lot to love on this defense. I mean, you guys hit all of them, and. Uh, I'm going to move on to the weaknesses and not that there's a lot of weaknesses here, but I think if there is one weakness was our uh, susceptibility of the big play at the wrong fricking time. <laughs> we kind of talked about it earlier, earlier in the episode, uh, fourth and one man, fourth and one and getting gassed for these long runs, touchdowns. Man, that was discouraging after a while. That was so discouraging. Uh, but, you know, I mean, outside of that, I, I don't know. I mean, I felt pretty good about the uh, defense this year. I mean, we're middle of the road, Big Ten. I mean, that's fine. We, we exceeded expectations. We weren't fantastic. But, God dang, this defense put our put the offense or put the team into positions to win almost every single game. And you that's what you want out of your defense. So, uh yeah, if I had weaknesses, it's just the the big play, man. I I think for mine it would be interception, and and, and I think that overall uh, turnovers it, overall. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean turnovers are all. I mean, we just I think the defense did a really good job. I, I'm really happy, but there was a couple plays in the season that like we should have made interceptions. And we did it. And I one play that just sticks out to me is the the play with Deontay Williams against Minnesota. And that's a play that has like haunted me because the, the play after that's when Cam Taylor Britt gets kicked out of the game and they end up scoring a touchdown where, you know, if Deontay Williams gets that interception, they don't even get a field goal before half. You know, we end up losing that game by a touchdown. Very arguably that could have been the deciding possession of the game. But there was just a lot of those plays where I think our secondary was in the position to make plays. Again, talk about the strengths. I think the secondary was the strength of the defense. I I think that all four of those starters played well. The guys that came in off the bench, um, you know, were really, really good. Uh, And and even without Braxton Clark, I mean, I didn't, 
I know I took some fleck about, oh my god, we're not really going to miss Braxton Clark. Well, I didn't really feel like we missed Braxton Clark that much this year. Um, and, and I thought the guys that got to play played well. And yeah, I, I just, ultimately, I, I think that but the, the inability to cause big turnovers, not even like just getting them, but like, I mean, we didn't have a pick six this year. We didn't have a safety this year. We didn't have a fumble recovery uh, touchdown. I, I, no defensive touchdowns this year. Just the, the turnovers and the swing plays on defense just really weren't there. Derek? That, that's fair, and I, that's, that's a very good point, Tyler. Uh, and it, man, I, I, I got to add just a little bit more to the strengths before I go into my weakness here, but I, I got to tell you, I, I thought the defensive line was phenomenal this year. I know, I know if you look at the stat sheet, they don't look great, and everybody talks about that. But, man, I, the, the, the development of that defensive line looks great right now. Uh, they're getting double teamed, which you, which you expect out of three defensive linemen. Uh, ben Stilley exceeded my expectations tenfold. Uh, man, Casey Rogers, man, that kid, he's going to be something special. Ty Robinson, I think, still going to do really well. Uh, into the weaknesses, though. Uh, I'm going to talk about third down defense. Like we still finished tenth in the Big Ten in third down defense, giving up fifty and a half or forty and a half percent of our third downs. We struggled with it throughout the first seven get six games, uh, the, or five five or six games, whatever it was. Our last two or three games, we got really a lot better with it, especially against North, uh, Rutgers, where we gave up like two of thirteen on uh third down conversions. But that needed to be ha- that needed to happen all year. Uh we gave up a lot of big big third downs where we'd have them at third and 15 and get a stupid penalty or give up a short little pass that a receiver would make a big play and we'd miss a tackle or just just uh third down conversions has got to get much much better especially if we want to get their offense back on the field but and Derek you're right on that and but let me just I guess I know I don't I can't refute what you said I mean but like I I will say that if you look at the game log I got it right here get Ohio State 61 percent uh Northwestern 43 percent uh Penn State uh 47 percent Illinois 64 percent all bad games then you went 28 23 30 and 15 like I do think that is something that got better um, I, I admitted it got better, but it, it should have never it, been as bad good. as it was to begin with. I mean, it, but it, no, I mean, it, it wasn't just, I mean, like a little bit better. I think that overall the, the defense got like, I, I think it was definitely uh, a lot better on defense. I mean, if you looked at the stats and, and let's just say you averaged out the last four games in stats in the Big Ten, we would have ranked number two in the Big Ten in defensive third down conversion like so we were we were were the worst the worst in the big 10 by far and we got better i you know is it it, i wish this was a 12 game season for defense so i think that (laughs) so wait tyler to get that step basically all you did was take out ohio state and illinois (laughs) is that what you did but (laughs) but but like even the penn state i mean the 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 worst Big Ten team in the country uh, was uh, in third down conversion was Michigan at forty six percent. So even the the Penn State and the Northwestern game 
though at 40s those are not good numbers okay so i mean really when you're defining a good third down conversion you know if you're in the 40s you're bad you know if you're in the mid 30s you're probably pretty bad but when you start getting to hold them one out of every four that that's where you really start seeing the 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 separation and again half the games we did that basically and the other half we were far from it so again, but the, it started playing better. I, I get. I say this is a team that I wish we'd have got a twelve game season with this defense because I think that they yeah. they were playing a lot. Not that they played poorly all year, but I think they were game, they were even getting better game after game. They started playing better. How would you guys evaluate uh, Nebraska's ability to get to the quarterback this year? Oh, I again. I think it depends on what you're. I, I guess it depends on how you're looking at it. Mm-hmm. I think we did better at getting to them. I don't think we did as good sacking them. And you're right, and, and it's it, it's very deceptive because it did seem like we were in the backfield quite a bit, but on sack percentage, we ranked 94th in the country in sack percentage, and yeah. that's. I mean, I guess it shouldn't surprise, but as many times as we were back there, we just weren't able to finish off plays. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say that's a some, weakness. Some, sometimes that's not, sometimes that's that's not all bad, because sometimes just getting that pressure on them, yeah, is fine. Like you force a bad throw, uh, maybe it doesn't turn into an interception, but at least it turns into an incomplete pass. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not chalking up to a weakness, but I think that's an interesting stat just because of. Uh, how deceptive it is, because but 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 I think that you know after after the uh, I want to say I was after the Penn State game we were number one in the conference in quarterback hurry, uh, so we were in the backfield after the North, uh, Penn State game we had five quarterback hurries the rest of the year. Now we did have sacks, we did have other things, so it's it's you know it's kind of misleading when you look at that. But I think the pass it, that was my number two for weakness this year was pass rush i i you know there was times in the season where you watch and you're like okay shenan he's blitzing he's looking like he's going aggressive but i feel like later in the season there was well too often that we would rush three or rush four and it just it was so not effective yeah um and and even even against Rutgers, i mean i think now i think that we did i've seen I seen quite a few plays. I seen quite a few plays against Rutgers, and I don't know what down it was particularly, but I seen us blitz four, five, six guys, and Rutgers was just picking up the blitz, and And that's that's not that's not good. But at that point, you got to either dial up different blitzes or just get some get get your four guys to get some pressure because. If dialing up the blitzes isn't going to get more pressure, there's no point in doing in dialing up more blitzes. No, what I almost felt like we got a little cute with our blitzes at time. Like there was a lot of like delayed blitzes and weird stunts that were like, you know, we saw it work really well in a play against Rutgers, where like uh, Payne like took this really weird angle and uh, stunt and came through free. But I feel like we did that a lot, and it just was like picked up. And, and being delayed, like, even if you would have, like, if you're really banking on those delayed blitzes when you run those, like, coming through free. 
Because if they don't come through free, you're not getting there because they're delayed. And so I, I almost felt we got a little cute with that. But Derek, you mentioned defensive line. I thought they played really well. They got, I think they did okay at getting pressure. Um, but like a guy who will probably get in these wards, Jojo Doman, I, I wouldn't be shocked if any of you guys have him as defensive player of the year, or whatever. But like, I don't remember seeing him blitz really at all. And, and, and he was a guy that, you know, as a, going into the year, if you were to ask me who our best pass rusher is, it would have been JoJo, and he got stuck in coverage way too often. It just, yeah, I mean, pass rush to me was our second biggest weakness. But again, I, like, where, I mean, tell me where you guys are on this. But, like, year three, Scott Frost, like, it has flipped. The defense is the strength of this team at this point. Like, and and it was this year, and going into 2021, like, I know we're going to lose some guys. Um but I still feel really good about the guys we have coming back. I'm with you, but it, it's basically I, I'm scared. It's basically because the offense was so piss poor that the defense that we feel good about the defense. The defense was just a middle of the road defense in the Big Ten. That's that's all they were. They weren't great by Big Ten standards at all. They were good but, but, for us to win three games and give. But, they would have given us a chance. No. The defense is what we expected Scott Frost to put on the field. We never expected a top defense. We expected not, not, a top but offense, you know what? But that, that needs that. to change. We're that, not getting that. We're, get, we're getting what we wanted out of this defense. I, and that has to change in the Big Ten because whatever, that, whatever they perceived headed into the, to the Big Ten is not working. So they need to build a strong defense they need to yeah. fix they need to come up with an offense that works in the Big 10 because whatever they were running in a group of 5 conference or in the Pac-12 without any defense does not work. We have 3 years evidence to prove that it just does not work. And I I just want to point out something. Uh may, maybe to an extent it could work, right? This is a crazy stat. Uh in the Big 10 on offense, we were 4th in the conference in total yards and tied for 10th in points. Couldn't find that end zone. Couldn't find yeah. that end zone. Uh, and this has been, it's an ongoing theme, it seems. It's, well, it, it, the, here, here's the biggest difference right now between Scott Frost's offense at UCF and Scott Frost's offense in Nebraska. And maybe it's the Big Ten defenses that he's facing. Maybe it's, uh, execution by his offense. I, I don't know what the difference is, but it's chunk plays. Yeah, like, we get no chunk plays with this offense. Well, and that's what he—that's what he lived off of it with UCF. So it, it, he it is. always, always had big. I, matter of fact, I think uh, UCF led the nation in fifty-yard-plus point uh, yard plays, and I don't know that we had a fifty-plus-yard play all year. So I, I don't know if I can pull it up. Uh, right this minute, but there's a huge correlation in the Big Ten for the top teams in the conference uh, and defenses, right? All the top teams in the Big Ten have strong defenses. Ohio State, Northwestern, Indiana, Iowa, uh, Wisconsin to an extent. Uh all of those teams were playing great defense. 
And the well, teams okay. that, that so, suffered. To, 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 Justin, let, let to, me to just challenge fair, you on be, that To be fair, some of them were playing really good offense, too. They were. Well, I was going to say, so so if you look at the top three uh, teams in the Big Ten in offense, it was Ohio State, Penn State, and Maryland. Okay. On offense? Okay. On offense. Okay. Top three defensively was Wisconsin, Iowa, Penn State. So I I I don't know. Like like Indiana had a pretty good. But Penn DMD State defense. was top song. Yeah. I, how Penn I mean, Penn State started playing good football. I mean, like we we I mean, you want to talk about a bright spot this year. I mean, I know at the time well, they were they were winless. Well, I, but, I, I guess it depends on what stat you're looking at. Because Penn State gave up a lot of points. Yeah, they didn't yard. give up a lot of yards, but they gave up a lot of points. Uh, I mean, yes, I, I'm. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. Uh, I'm just talking about uh, yards. I mean, if you look at uh, scoring, that the the top three are uh, defense are Northwestern, Wisconsin, Iowa, and the top three offensive of Ohio State, Iowa, Indiana. Which again, I think scoring obviously dictates everything, but yards. If you want to talk about like, I I think. When I look at sc- the difference to me has always been on scoring, whether it be scoring defense and scoring offense, or you know whatever it is, in total offense is when I look at total, I think that's overall the ability of a unit. I think scoring comes down to situational football, like that to me is that's what fair. do you do in the red zone? What do you do? Like, do you give up the occasional home run play? Like, it it, it the difference is just a situational. Um, and to the Nebraska point, that's to Justin's point on defense and offense. Situational football at the end of year three is a downfall for Scott Frost. So what I was getting at is on the defensive side is, is the points allowed, right? Uh, between Northwestern, Wisconsin, Iowa, Indiana, North, and Ohio State, all of those teams were between fifteen and a half and twenty-one points. And points allowed this season. Yes. Then there's a drop off before you get to Penn State and Nebraska. Then it's like 27. It's almost a full touchdown difference between these top defenses. And that's what we need to strive for. We need to get to that level if we want but, to be competitive and, and, and in the, the big team. Nebraska like, wasn't that far off that level if it wasn't for fucking. Ohio State scoring fifty two points, but that's that's part of it. No, I get, I get it is, I get it is. I'm not, and I'm not saying that you can't get blown out like that. Terrible game. No, you're right, you're right. I understand that. But just you say that, but but we play good defense, and and and, and the problem with the looking at the points like that is you have games like uh, Rutgers here where where special teams kills you with points. But and, and I will also you're right, Derek. And I, but I also say Ohio State scored forty two and a half points a game. Okay, yeah, yes, you're right. They they gave up twenty one points. We gave up twenty nine points. You you try and tell me Ohio State still not winning a lot of games if they're scoring forty two points and giving up twenty nine. Like, like I I I hear you. I hear you on the thought process that Scott Frost. The the thought when Scott Frost came to Lincoln was to Derek's point is that we would blow everyone away with our offense and be average on defense. And that has not come to fruition. And you could argue that that model couldn't work. It won't work in the Big Ten. I don't know if that's true. 
But the bottom line is we haven't seen that model work yet. And is that because of his offense? Is that because of the talent he has? Is that what whatever the reason is, is it the defenses are just too good to be that good on offense unless you have that elite talent of Ohio State? I don't know. Like, there's no one else in the Big Ten scoring 42 points a game besides Ohio State. You're right. Okay, o- Ohio State. Nobody's on Ohio State's level. But what I'm talking about, why defense is more important in the Big Ten, there's uh, three teams in the top six in total offense or in scoring offense. Penn State, Michigan, and Minnesota. Four, five, and six. You know what? That doesn't mean stuff. Because their defenses were so bad. They yeah, were so Wisconsin, bad. But Wisconsin had a great scoring defense. And, I mean, I think at the end of the year, we had Penn State higher than Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it, it, let's be real. Like, it's a balanced thing. We need to be better on both sides of the ball. Like, I, I, I think that we are You're right. going into 2021. On Going into 2021 and in 2020, we were much better on defensive side. And, and and again, a lot of people complained about tempo this year with Scott Frost. To Justin, if your point is there, then the tempo that Scott Frost was running was okay. A stat that I found really interesting, do you know how many plays a game Nebraska ran on offense? Uh, pro- 70. Yeah. 70 plays a game. That's, that would have okay. been my guess, yeah. Do you know how many plays our defense gave up a game? 77? 70. 70. It was even. Was it? Yeah. So the for the people that complained about Frost's temple to what maybe you're arguing like I, and Frost took flack for it. He's like, "Where's the aggressive offense? Where's the snapping in this high tempo?" Like I would argue that he has already made strides going to what you were talking about, Justin, by slowing down the tempo and kind of being a little bit more methodical. I mean, we ran the ball sixty percent of the time. 60% of the time we ran it. Like, if you were to said going into the year, and maybe besides Justin, Derek would have been happy with this stat, but we ran 60% past 40. Like, that stat, like, obviously you'd probably hope the passes would be more than 10 yards, a little bit more, but that numbers, I think we'd be happy with. I think he is building to, I think he's not saying it, he's not being vocal about it, but I think there's a lot of evidence that he is leaning into more Big Ten football. Except for the fact that you're running the quarterbacks for all the runs. There's not the running back. I mean, that, that, that's fine. Because you don't have a damn running back. I know. Well, back. I mean, yeah, there, look, there, there's a lot of problems with everything. But the whole thing that this started was, like, making it seem like this defense was the end and be-all to future championships. Because it's not. This defense was okay and... If if our goal is just right. to be average and bowl eligible, this defense is what we saw is fine. But it has to get better. It has to get better. But again, I will say this, Justin. If you're an average defense in the Big Ten, you're second in the conference in rushing. Like, you need something more of the passing game. I get that. The 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 def, the definition of 2020 to me is turnovers. Making the wrong play at the wrong time, the bad penalties, like all those things that we, you know, we talked about. I mean, we finished 11th in the Big Ten in penalties, like really, again, not a good year. We had a good year last year. It seems like we turned a corner there, took a step back this year. Just a lot of 
it's situational, disciplined football that we are lacking. And I think with going into 2021, I, I know that's something Scott Frost has to be thinking about. All right, well. I think we need to get into some MVP awards here. All right, let's hand out some awards here. Let's uh, start with the... Uh, Let's start with the MVP on offense. Derek, who is your MVP on offense? Uh, man, this was a tough one. This is really, really tough because there wasn't a lot of players that played well. So I really think it came down to either one or two players. And I went with uh, Martinez just due to the fact that he had 11 touchdowns. He had seven rushing touchdowns, four passing he did pass for 71% of his pass uh completion percentage. Uh he had he, had, he actually had the fifth best rating in the Big 10. So it wasn't like he had a shit year. Uh not not like some people would lead you to believe. Uh so so I went with Martinez because the only other option I think was Wandell Robinson and he only had two touchdowns on the, on the year and I I think he wasn't as good as he was last year. Tyler, who's your MVP on offense? Well, you just poo-pooed on my pick. I'm going to go Wanda Robinson. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, you, you know, you got, I mean, okay, let's. Just, I mean, there, there, there is definitely a productivity aspect of this that maybe he didn't meet this, but let's look what he meant to this offense. We talk about the quarterback run, how important it was. Okay, we had 229 pass attempts this season. 66% of the 66 targets of those went to Wandell Robinson. That is more than the next two guys combined, almost more than the next three guys. Okay. Obviously he was our leading wide receiver uh, with uh, over uh, uh, 400 yards receiving on the season. Um, he came back in at running back at some times. He was third on the team in rushing heading into the Rutgers game. Didn't really play a whole lot there. But still, a uh, 240 yards. Uh, I, I, I think the biggest thing is Wandale. I think was our MVP. I still think going into 2021, we have the same question for Wandale Robinson: is how do you best utilize him? Yeah. Because I, I, I don't think the coaches have figured him out yet. Yeah. Did I, did I also mention that Martinez was sixth in rushing yards for the league? Yeah. He he was not not counting running backs everything, he was sixth in the in the Big Ten in rushing yards. See, I think the thing is this year. I think when you look at stats, offensive, like you see the crappy like th- offense. This, this offense goes nowhere without Adrian Martinez. That's and that's where yeah, my MVP I, comes from. But I, but I think a lot of the stats this year in the Big Ten, when you look at it, it it's really 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 like skewed because you didn't have those non conference games. Like, you didn't have these non-conference games where you would run for 200 yards or pass for 400. Doesn't that skew and it even more to get into the cupcakes? I mean, it's all apples to saying. apples. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I think when you look at some of these numbers Nebraska put up, like, the fact that Wondell Robinson only had 461 yards, I think if you looked at that over and you would have gotten the cupcake games, like, he probably would have that with Mar- 800. Couldn't you, couldn't you say that with Martinez and his rushing? Like yeah. he yeah. ran for over a thousand yards this year, hundred yeah. percent. And that's that's what I'm saying. I think everything this year just it looks worse. But I think every team in the Big Ten is going through this because all they played is Big Ten teams, and it really made stats look like garbage. I'm gonna roll with Adrian Martinez as my offensive MVP. Also, 
I know you guys I, I are shocked as hell. I gotta go grab a beer. I am. I am. I'm, 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 <laughs> you better grab a shot of whiskey. But here's here's why. I'm gonna pee, I'm gonna pee my I'm gonna pee my pants if I don't go. To, I cannot believe you just said this. Hey, look, I appreciate Adrian Martinez when he got benched this year for Luke McCaffrey, and the way that he was able to rebound the way that he did, and he stepped up his game. He did. He re- he really did. He looked like the leader that we've all loved him for. I mean, it's. I don't think you can hate Adrian Martinez as a person. I mean, you may not like him as a quarterback, but as you've tried, you never as a person, never as a person. I've always applauded him the way he handles himself in front of the media, you know, off the field, everywhere. He is just a one hell of a human being. Any issues I've had with Adrian Martinez has been based off of quarterback play. But, I, I, but I'm going to give him the MVP on offense because when he came back in and seeing him do the things that he did that I didn't think he was going to be able to do. I mean, how quickly did I shut up about Luke McCaffrey when Martinez came back in? It was, a, uh, it was great. I love to see it. I mean, uh, and... If it wasn't for him, I don't. I don't know how many wins we have this year. I, I don't think. I don't think it's three. <laughs> I will say this. I, who knows what happens? But I. I, I want to go back and I, I encourage people to listen. We're, you know, Colin Coward does a segment where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong, where Tyler was right. Is I remember there we did an episode of we and we talked about the front half of the season. And I remember saying at the time, like, we were going to play some really tough defenses early in the year. And Adrian may not play great in those games, but I implore the coaches to stick with Martinez. The defense did not show up against Illinois. But what may have happened if we had stuck with Adrian Martinez, never benched him, Maybe the benching of Martinez was the catalyst for the good second half that you're talking about, Justin. But maybe he would have been just damn fine if we never benched him. And maybe we don't play like dog shit against Illinois. And we end up playing a little bit better if he... And maybe we look a little bit better against Penn State if Adrian's starting. Like, I think the benching of him may have been a misstep by the coaches this year. Hey, what came first, the chicken or the egg? The egg. But I predicted, I, 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 but Tyler was right that I thought the coaches might look the, the, the bench him after a really tough defensive season, and I thought they shouldn't and at least let him get into the second half with the easier defenses. And he looked good. He looked good down the stretch. And, and Derek, Justin just named Adrian Martinez his offensive MVP. <laughs> like, did, did I miss something? Did he really just do that? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like, no, no, I get it. But but look, I, to, to, to I, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna stick it for Justin here. There, there's not a lot of options for MVP on this offense. But but I want to throw honorable. He's sticking up for me out. by saying, "Well, he had to do it because there's nobody else." But I'll throw honorable <laughs> there really wasn't. Like, I will throw it. I, I know. I know. Tyler mention. picked Wendell Robinson, but like even That's his stats took a big cut this year. That's the two. But I'll, I'll throw an honorable mention out to Austin Allen. Because I thought that he really 
uh, played pretty well. We got more so. awards to hand out there, Tyler. I know. Okay, fine. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So let, let's keep it on offense here. Let's talk about newcomer of the year. Derek, who is your newcomer of the year? Uh, are, are we doing offense and defense? or Just, just offense. Just, just offense right just now. Offense. Okay. Uh, right, right now, I, I got to go with Bryce Benhart. You know, he was kind of thrown to the wolves. Uh, yeah, he had Farniok there next to him to kind of help him out, but I, I, I thought he held. I thought he held his own, and, and to not get any games, any warm up games before he got into Big Ten play, I thought he did a pretty good job. I really did. Tyler, yeah, good pick. Um, I, I could have gone Ethan Piper in that same regard. I thought he came in and uh, took over for Bo Wilson pretty well, but I'm gonna go Levi Fall. Um, he, he, he's a guy that I thought, you know, when he started playing early in the year, I think fans were a little bit like, what, who is this guy? Where is, why is he on the field when you have all these four stars? Yeah. But he, I think perimeter blocking, he looked really good most of the year. He had, I'm I'm just going to throw this out. I think it was against Rutgers, but he had a holding penalty. That was so much bullshit. Like, I'm tired of Nebraska getting called when we pancake a motherfucker, like, and getting called for holding. I'm, fu- I'm tired of it. Like, I, I've seen this, like, three or four times where we drive a guy to the ground, and they're like, holding. We pancaked him. And Le- Levi Falk, I think it gets Rutgers, had a play like that. And it's just, it's ridiculous. But he, Welcome, he, welcome it, to millennial football. Oh, uh, I mean... Like he, he, I felt like perimeter blocking was good. Came on as a really reliable second receiver, um, and, and I, I think by the end of the year, fans really shut up about why that young individual was getting playing time. Yeah, he Cade Warner better than Cade Warner. Yeah, when it when it all came down to it, he, he was he was great. He was a, I mean, he was a bright spot. Yeah, I was the same way. I was like, leave my fuck. I mean, why, why is he starting? Why the hell? Is this guy out on the field? But, man, he looked good. He looked real good out there. Uh, my newcomer of the year is, uh, I'm, I'm with Derek, Bryce Benhart. Uh, you know, we didn't really get into the offensive line too much in the offensive discussion as a, as a strength or weakness. It was kind of like somewhere in between. If you had to evaluate the uh, offensive line, it's... Didn't live up to our expectations. We had high expectations, but it wasn't necessarily a weakness. It wasn't great. Uh, no, but I, I'll, I'll say I'll say this: I don't think anybody anticipated an Ethan Piper taking over at guard. I don't. I don't. I don't think the the, the weakness in the in that offensive line turned out to be the guy that I think we all thought would take the biggest jump was uh, Cam Jurgens. And, and he didn't appear to take that jump, at least not till after game five, four or five. Would they stop clapping? Uh, yeah, whatever. Clapgate. Clapgate. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. So whatever the whatever so, the so case did, may did, have been, but did did the op- I, I wanted to ask this? Do you guys think the offensive line took a step forward here? No. Again, this is one of those situations where I think you can answer the question yes and no. From, from what from what perspective, I guess? From last year. You had last year's offensive line. Oh, uh, yeah. They, they, they took a step back. I, I, I was expecting a lot back. bigger things. Yeah. So I don't I, think I they think, did. I don't think they did. I think, I I think, their, I think their pass block was better. 
Especially with, with Ben Hart in there. But we couldn't run the ball with running backs. They weren't creating any holes. I mean, there was nothing. The only thing that, you know, we, we got a lot of quarterback runs, uh, you know, whether it's scrambles or whatever, you know, uh, quarterbacks that space making stuff. But punching it up the middle or even off tackle, I mean, it was non-existent. For most it, of the year just, with the running it was, backs. It was such a weird year. Like, you would see plays, like, and to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it was about the same. Like, I expected it to take a step forward, and I, I know I'm going off topic here, but, but and Justin's like, what are you doing? But, like, I expected it to be a lot better. I think it's about the same. Like, there would be plays on, we, we used to complain about this a lot during the season, like, oh, it's third and five. We're going to run a quarterback draw. And that would work a decent often, and that's entirely you can say the quarterback. There was offensive lines that would come up with some really good blocking, and Ethan Piper and you know all Farniak and Jer- all these guys would come up with Jerrigan would come up with great blocks, and then it was just like inconsistency where they'd be like, oh, they completely whipped on that play and got no push at all, and I just it was an up and down year, and I think to Derek's point, youth is ultimately what you'd expect. And I think, again, heading into 2021, I, I'm anxious for this offensive line coming I, back. I, I, do, I do believe there's a lot of uh, poise for the for this uh, offensive line. I think there's a lot of they, – they need to take the step forward. They need to stop making this false starts. Uh, there, there really wasn't a lot of holding this year. Uh, it seemed like one, or, one a game. I mean, it wasn't excessive. False starts, though. But false starts and and so and some just stupid penalties that we, that needs to be fixed. Uh, but, dis- discipline needs to be fixed on that offensive line. But I think the blocking aspect of the offensive line, uh, I think there's a lot to look forward to. I think the and, future's and, bright. And I and I, I and especially, especially when you look at a Turner Corcoran, who nobody knew what to expect of, out of him in that Rutgers game. And God, we didn't even talk about that in the Rutgers game, but. Yeah, he, he was he, a he breath was a of fresh air. Yeah, he, he really was a bright spot. I mean, but but I, I, and I'll say this about the false starts, and I, I go back to my playing days. Like, so play, my, my I remember my second start at tackle. Like, I had like two or three false starts in that game, and 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 I think when you're a young offensive lineman, like you are anxious. I think you are like. Hey, I, I, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to jump. I'm ready to play. And I think that that is one of the hardest things about becoming a new starter. And, and I can't only imagine how it duplicates on the collegiate level. But, like, when, when you look at that, I think there is a little bit of, like, I, I'm ready to go. And when they do different cadences and they do that, I, it, it, is, it is a different skill set for offensive linemen. Well, to be, to be fair... The Big Ten had about the same fan level as St. Cecilia had. St. Cecilia. Okay, moving on. All right. New co- newcomer. Uh, All right, wait, we already did that. Yep. Most improved player on offense, Derek. All right. To me, this was easy. This was Austin Allen. Austin Allen was the most improved player on this team. Uh, he was second on the team with receptions. They had 18 receptions. Second on the team with yards with 236 yards. Uh, That's up from ninth in receptions uh, a year ago with only seven last year. 
there, there's I, I don't know if there's another answer than Austin Allen, really. Honestly. Well, let's find out, Tyler. There is not another answer besides Austin Allen because that is the correct answer. Correct answer for me as well. I mean, that dude, he lit it up. I wasn't quite sure that he was going to be our best. I think I headed into the year. I had Austin Allen slated for third team. I think we all did. And no? Who did you have, Tyler? I had vocal. I had Austin Allen second. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, I'm second. All right. Well, you were still off because Austin (laughs) Allen is our best tight end. He was our best tight end. He is our best. Uh, And he'll be the best going into next year. And Fedone's going to come in, and he'll probably be our second best tight end, but... Yeah. I, I, I think Austin Allen, the future is bright with that man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. Who is your MVP on the defensive side of the ball, Derek? Uh, I, I got to go with Cam Taylor Britt. The dude's got so much heart. Uh, I, I don't know that he was always the best player, but it was clear that when he was not on the field, we were struggling. Yeah. Tyler? That would probably be my pick, but a very, very close second was JoJo Doman. And I don't have him for another award, so I'm going to go JoJo Doman here. Um, you know, I think one of my critiques of JoJo Doman over the years has been his inability to be disciplined in run defense and really coming in and making tackles. And I, I, I was really impressed with what he did in that regard. I think he was, I mean, I, I, I think he was very disciplined there. Um, he obviously made a lot of big plays for this defense. Um, you know, he, tackles, he did light it up. He had 35 on the year for solo, but it seemed like he made a lot of unassisted tackles, um, was in the backfield. So Cam Taylor Britt is probably my answer, but very close. It, it was very close between him and JoJo Doman. Yeah, I agree. It was it's a toss-up between Cam Taylor Britt and JoJo Doman for me as well. Both are awesome. What... Made me give it to Cam Taylor Britt, who is my choice, is based off his sheer athleticism. Some of the jumps that we, he would make in coverage was just superhuman. It was just, I mean, which, which you can't really, coach really, that. It's really crazy considering he was only like a mid-three-star guy. Coming yeah. But you cannot coach that. The jumps that he had and the ability to contortion his body, to stretch it, out. I mean, it's just like, how does a dude it, do that? It hurts. A, it hurts a forty-year-old man to see it happen. <sighs> yeah, youngster. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Cam Taylor Britt, awesome. I hope he comes back. That's going to be it for next segment. Uh, newcomer of the year on defense, Derek. Oh man, this this one was tough for me. Uh, ultimately, I went with Nick Henrik. Uh, he, man, he's just. Played so many. He played outside backer, played inside backer. Uh, really had some had himself a couple really really good games the last couple games. Uh, throughout the year, I know he was kind of a little scarce, but these last two or three games, he really came on strong. And so I I, I went with with Nick Hendrick. He I think he led the team in tackles the last two games. Yeah. All right, Tyler. I'm gonna go Luke Reimer. Um, you know, I think that he came on and, uh, you know, I think he, you saw his emergence against the Northwestern game, which is his first game he played, had a season high tackles against Iowa. 
Um, I, I I really liked what he brought in the middle backer. I think he might have been our best middle backer this season. Um, I, I'm going to go Luke Reimer. I went with Miles Farmer here. Uh, I think Miles Farmer, he had a two-interception day at Penn State uh, coming in for Cam Taylor-Britt. I think he gave us a taste of what's to come when some of these uh, senior guys in the secondary move on. Uh, you know, he got hurt. Uh, but God, we, we saw enough out of him to want more of him. And anytime a guy like that makes an impact like that, that you just want to see more of him, man, he's going to get my vote for newcomer of the year. Uh, most improved player on defense, Derek, man, this is, this is where I got to go with Jojo Doman. Uh, Jojo Doman, you know, he, he, he's never been a bad player. He's always been a, a, a smart player. But Tyler mentioned it. He was out of position a lot of times. And you didn't see that this year. You, I mean, he made when, when he went when he went to go make a tackle, he made his tackle. Uh he, he actually led the team in tackles. Uh oh man, I'm I'm screwing my stats up here, but uh <laughs> He was actually twelfth in the uh, in the Big Ten overall in in tackles. He was nineteenth in uh, passes defended, which for a linebacker is phenomenal. Uh, it was eighth in the Big Ten in pass breakups, again really good. And he was fourteenth with with tackles for loss in the Big Ten. Uh, and, and I, you expected a little more out of him, but I don't know if I ever expected quite as much as we got out of him. To to be that great. All right, uh, Tyler, to you, most improved player. Uh, I'm going to go Damian Daniels. Um, Damian Daniels, I think we saw a little bit last year, um, and, and I think this year you saw him take a pretty good step forward at that nose tackle position. Um, the defensive line rotation I felt was pretty strong, so you didn't see as much of him, but it seemed like he was good for a couple plays a game. We're just completely busting a hole. Um, I, I really thought his stride this year was about what I was hoping out of him. Um, I think he was a disruptive force, and he's entering the 2021 season as you know one of the top two or three players as uh, possibly defensive player of the year for me. All right, so for most improved player, I went with Luke Reimer here. And I almost had him as newcomer of the year, but... I crossed him out because I wanted to give Miles Farmer props. And Luke Weber played a little bit last year. So I'm going to count that as most improved player because this dude came in and he started. He started football games, you know, as a sophomore. I mean, that dude came in and he loves to hit. He was so fun to watch. And I just can't wait to see him play for two more years. Derek? I, I, can I just add one more thing with JoJo Doman? Here, here, here's the reason I decided on him. Last year, if his if his career would have been over, I think we all would have said JoJo Doman was done with football. And after this year, I think you could look at that guy and go, "He's a late, he's a late maybe draft pick." Is, he, he's de- he's definitely an un- undrafted free agent. Is he kind of like a if he would have called it quits last year? Would have he been kind of like a Jack Gangwish story? No, no. Jack Gangwish was this walk on, and or wasn't he a walk on? Yeah, but I mean, I, I, yeah. I think 
At the end Do- of the Do- day, Doman was a Doman was a highly a, a fairly highly recruit out of Colorado. I mean, he wasn't wasn't was he the top recruit out of Colorado when he came out? Maybe. I I, I mean, I think JoJo Doman to me, like if JoJo Doman would have called it quits, he was a guy that like he was a Ricky Tenars. I think that would be a better analogy. Like a guy that you saw some really cool highlight reel plays. Zach Martin, like these highlight reels, but just really never emerged as a player. <laughs> and this year he emerged as a player. He did, but I mean, but, but now he feels, but now he feels kind of like a Nathan Gary. Yeah. Uh, don't say that. Maybe not that good, but no, the reason I said Jack Gangwish is because he was a fan favorite. Everybody loved Jack Gangwish and they all thought Nathan Gary. What's that? Who hated Nathan Gary? Well, I guess not me. Who hate Who hate Ricky Tenars? Ricky Tenars. <laughs> well, I, God, I, I haven't heard that name in the, ages, the, man. I, I guess the way you put it, it just made it sound like everybody hated Nathan Gary. I don't remember anybody hating him. No, I just I just didn't see the same trajectory that I did with JoJo Doman, and because look, JoJo Doman's a fan favorite. Everybody loves his motor. I mean, all the things he can do. They want they want to see him succeed, and if he had. Uh, quit last year. Everybody would have wanted to see him, you know, maybe get that free agent thing, and kind of like what we were hoping for Jack Gingwish. I mean, he's just an easy dude just to root for. You want to see him succeed, make it to the NFL, and it didn't happen. Oh, Tyler's giving me like this. It's like shaking. But, but his could head. you see him getting drafted now? Exactly. This year, yeah, but not yeah. not last year, not last no, year. I'm with you. That's and, why and I say. That, that's that, why I that say right Jack Gingwish last year. That that right there is why I'm putting JoJo Doman in my most improved because I would have never thought of him as a draftee ever. Yeah. Until after this year. All right. Well, let's talk about this because as a senior, uh, you know, some of these seniors can come back. I well, whether they, they they're allowed. Back. They yeah. Well, they can they can play. They they maintain a year of eligibility. Where they can play is another story. But what are some of the seniors that you want to see come back to Nebraska? Derek. Oh, man. I, I, I'm i so torn on this because I'd love to see them all come back, I guess, because they're all Huskers. I love them all. Uh, I, I would kind of like to see Boodle come back because he, he was close to my one of my most improved. Which Boodle? Compared to, are you talking about DiCaprio Boodle? Yeah, I'm talking about DiCaprio. Wow. He, he won me over. He won me over. He, I, I think he really was a shutdown corner. People didn't test him a lot. He did come up with an interception. Uh, I, thought, I thought he had a good year. Uh, ben Stilley's probably my number one guy I'd like to see come back. Will Honus is another one. JoJo Doman's another one. Uh, defensively, I'd like to see them all come back. I really would. Offensively, Diedrich Mills. Maybe Levi Falk, and that's probably the extent of it. And then, of course, Connor Colt at the end of the day. And he's probably one of the most likely ones to come back. All right. Tyler? Yeah, Connor Colt is number one on my list. Um, Offensively, um, I'm kind of with Derek. I would be okay with those two guys coming back. Um, I'd probably have Levi Falk slightly ahead. But defensively, Derek, you're right. I would like to see them all come back, but I put three names on my list as the guys that I think we would most like. Number one is Ben Stilley. Number two, Will Honus. 
Number three is kind of an or. I would just want to love to see one of those safeties come back. Um, you know, I, I think that that safety position, like we look at Farmer, probably Noah Gates going into next year. I think we need one more name. I think we'll be okay at that other corner spot if Decap doesn't come back, but um, I certainly won't. You know, JoJo, he was my defensive co-MVP. I would certainly not complain about him coming back, but I think we'll be fine without him. Um, so the, the three names on defense are Ben Stilley, Will Honus, and then uh, I'm going to go Deontay Williams because uh, I think he was really? a little that's, bit better of a safety. That's crazy because yeah. you really kind of hammered uh, Will Honus. I did, but he. I think he. I think he. He got better as the season went on. He doesn't miss uh, tackles. He's not a flashy player, but he doesn't miss tackles. He doesn't miss open field tackles. I'm still not convinced he doesn't get out of position sometimes and create holes. But I, I think that he is a sure tackler. I, I again, yeah, I. I he played better as the season gone on. He showed flashes as the season went on of uh, the guy that we all thought he would be when he came to Nebraska. So I think another year could actually elevate him to the NFL because I think he was getting he was trending upwards as the season. So I didn't go nearly as deep as you guys did in this exercise because I think after you've you know done your thing, you know it's time to move on. Uh, I only wrote down two dudes. Uh, Connor Culp, after those uh, kicking situations we had last year, we need to keep that guy around for another seven years. Uh, I really like what he does. First team, all Big Ten. You know, a grad transfer comes into Nebraska, and he's uh, first team, all Big Ten. We didn't have any other all Big Ten First teamers. So that's a huge thing. And the other guy is the guy that we just talked about. And I, we just, like I said, fan favorite, Jojo Doman. I want to keep that guy around for as long as he can play also. So I wrote him down. All the other guys, they're they're nice to have. But you know what? It, it's probably time to let somebody else take the reins. It, it really is. Uh, this is a team that's been beaten down for... Four straight years now. It's time for to see some of these these young guys that Scott Frost has brought in, just to see what they can do. Let them take over. So, uh, too deep. Connor Colt and JoJo Doman. All right. So, final thing on season evaluation is the coaching scenario. Uh, what do you guys think about the coaches here? I mean. Are you guys wanting to roll into 2021 with the coaches that we have right now? Uh, do changes need to be made? Or, I mean, what do you, how do you guys evaluate what, the, what you saw of the coaching? Play calling, development, and all those issues. Tyler, we'll go with you. Yeah. You know, I, I don't like to try to fire guys. Um, I don't think that's the answer at Nebraska at this point is continuously changing coaches. Um, so I, I I would, I think at this point, I would probably look for a lot of these coaches coming back. Uh, but if I, if, 
But I do think the two coaches that came to mind as guys I just felt missed the mark this year were Mario Verduzco. Um, I think that there's something happening in that room when it comes to security and how to really protect the ball that probably he needs to be held accountable for. Um, even though I do think the quarterbacks were not as far off as people think. And then Greg Austin. Um you know, Greg Austin, I, I think we looked at this offensive line taking a big jump. It went young. Maybe that's a reason of it. But then he was also the run game coordinator. And, you know, I felt we were not really always the most original in the run game. It seemed like a lot of let's let the quarterbacks be the athletes. So I, I think those would be the two coaches I could see possibly moving off of. Um, but, I, again, I'm I'm not advocating like if we brought the whole coaching staff back, I am not. I I am not losing sleep over that decision at this point. Derek, what do you think about the coaching situation? Well, I I, I have mixed emotions. I I we we have changed a coach, whether it be a position coach or whatever, every year since 2012. Uh, it doesn't seem to be working out well. Like for eight years, we have fired a coach. So I, I don't know if firing is necessarily working out well for us. Uh, Verduzco, I get it. Quarterbacks aren't living up to the expectations. Even though two of the three of us gave them, gave our quarterback the MVP. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I get the frustration. Uh, I, I don't. I, I I worry about firing Greg Austin because I'm afraid you're going to end up having to transfers, and if you end up having to transfer like. Turner Corcoran or Bryce Benhart. I, I don't I'm afraid of what that would do to this offensive line. I don't know how deep we are in that position. I thought we were deep to start the year, but I don't know. I just I'm afraid I'm afraid what transfers will do in that position. Uh Ryan Held is one I would probably start leaning towards if I was to get rid of somebody, just because man, he does a really good job recruiting. He's a recruiting coordinator. But the the, the 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 running backs just show no progress at all. Yeah, so my thoughts are on this uh, coaching change is I think there need to be changes made in the coaching staff uh, with responsibilities or whatever. But I don't know who those coaches need to need to be replaced. I do know that there needs to be replacements on offense. Uh, if we come back with this entire coaching staff in 2021, I am not going to have any warm and fuzzy that we're going to continue to get better. In fact, I mean, I, I, I don't see us getting any better with this exact same but coaching staff. Can I, can I ask you one thing on that, though? Yeah. Because you're the one that is always so frustrated that we give Frost so many excuses. So by firing and hiring a new coach, isn't that just giving them more excuses? Yeah, but I, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think that gives us a chance to get better. I think that gives us a chance to, or gives him a chance to maybe bring well, for some. How long? How, how how long do you give the new coach before you're pissed off at him? Well, I mean, l l let's see what happens. I mean, let's see what happens. We have to see progress. And especially on the offensive side of the ball. Scott Frost, he was brought here for what? Offense, right? And offense is getting well, worse underneath no, his tutelage. Not, 
Not really. He was probably here because he was the only one the fans wanted. Okay. He wasn't really probably here for offense. Because Mike Riley wasn't bad at offense. It was his defense that everybody kind Derek, of... The, Derek, the point is, when we brought in Scott Frost, what did we think? We were going to have this high-octane offense that was going to score fair. a lot of points. So that's, that's what we thought we were going to see. And in year three, we, we've seen the worst numbers on offense out of, out of all three years. Uh, there's a lot of issues on this offense. Only Scott Frost knows what needs to be changed. There's a lot of guys there that is in the uh, in the fire path there, you know, with uh, Mario Verduzco and his inability to develop quarterbacks. Uh, Lubick, I don't, I don't know if we got any better uh, at wide receivers under Lubick. You could probably argue we got worse. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. If- I just don't think you could fire a guy after one year. I. I- I str- I struggle to believe that's that's constructive at that point. I I don't know. Maybe sometimes that Scott Frost just isn't hiring the right guys, and that's where we are in year three. He brought in a bunch of guys that probably so, so are not me, qualified to be coach in Power Five. Let me let me ask you this: So you think he's not qualified to hire the right guy? What makes you think that firing guys and him hiring new guys is going to help? Well, that, that's a great point there, but all I know is headed into 2021 with this coaching staff does not give me any sense that we're going to get better because, in fact, we're getting worse on the offensive side of the ball. And we've made, what, one change? I think Sean Becton, I think he's our he's our best guy on offense. That dude's job is sealed. I mean, he's good. You know, Tyler, you talk about Greg Austin, Mario Verduzco, uh, Ryan Held. I mean, this is the most disappointing uh, season that we've seen. And maybe it shouldn't be a surprise. Have any of our running backs really knocked your socks off? They haven't. Ryan Held does a great job at recruiting, but he doesn't do a great job at uh, developing talent. And overall, that has been really the Achilles heel for this entire coaching staff is their inability to develop any talent. You have guys in there. Uh, I, I, I disagree. I would say that it was the inability to keep the talent around. Well, it's probably their biggest downfall more, more so than developing. I mean, right, right now, right. Ryan held. I, I, I know I complained about him too, but the problem is we have like what? Five freshmen in the, in the room. And one senior, and the one senior was hurt for most of the year. So, so this year on the all Big Ten teams on offense and defense, we had one guy, Cam Taylor Britt. He was second team all team defense, right? But and then you had Connor Culp. And if you backtrack, you know, DiCaprio Boodle in his sophomore year, he was named to the all Big Ten uh, conference teams. You had Muhammad Barry. In his junior year, he was not on there in his senior year. DiCaprio Boodle, he hasn't been on the All-Big Ten. So some of these guys that were really good at one time, they're not getting any better. And you see it on the field. We had three wins this year. We had three wins. And we were one game... It had nothing to do do with defense. We're one game away from finishing at the bottom of the conference. That's what that margin is. That's where we are in year three. 
We're not we're not talking about well, competing for yeah, a division. But, we're not talking about okay. being bowl eligible. We're talking about one game away from what finishing last in the conference. We're also one game from being like third. You take one of those and make them a win. So we're also like we're also like one game from being. Third. So look at that margin. That margin is very very low. We finished fifth in our division this year. And Scott Frost has never finished above fourth. The offense has been bad under Scott Frost. Changes need to happen. I, they, they do. I, I don't know exactly just, what they I, need I, to I be. Just, I don't know that that fixes anything at this point. We've, we have fired and fired and fired and fired and fired and fired. But if you keep these guys, coaches. if you keep everybody but, around, but, what but are, at what point? But uh, you know, it's it's like the old saying goes. If you do the same thing every day and you do the same thing every day and you expect different results, maybe you're crazy. But if you keep these guys around and you're not getting any better, what what are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, what are the expectations if you guys bring if you bring all these guys back? I mean, are are we are we now but, but talking about fir- just full eligibility? Year we ever had four, five, maybe even six freshmen playing on offense? Like we had a pretty decent young offense in his first year. Derek, we're in we year also three. Had Stanley Morgan. We also had a couple, uh, a little more senior guys. Our most senior guys are quarterback. I, I'm telling you, something needs to change because whatever whatever they're doing is not working. And maybe we'll, we will see some coaching changes by next week, or you know. But I do not feel good about. What we have, I, I I try I trust Frost to make the right decision in that situation with with the coaches. I if he feels like we need to get rid of some situation, look if he if he can look at a coach and go, hey, what do we need to do to fix this? And they don't have a good answer. It's time to get rid of them. Well, it's hard to do that when you hired all your friends too. I mean that that's the bad thing. Hey, uh, one real quick thing: playoff. The playoff was announced. Uh, Clemson. Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame. I mean, not in that order, but it's all the usual suspects. Final thoughts on uh, the playoff here. Derek, did they get it right? No. I don't give two shits about the playoffs. I'm not 100% convinced that Ohio State belongs in there. I They, they probably do because they're undefeated, but they only played six games. I, I get Dabo Sweeney's complaint. I probably wouldn't rank them eleventh and giving them billboard. Ohio State wasn't uh, even the best team in Ohio. <laughs> that is good possibility. Cincinnati uh, should have been there. Tyler, what do you think? But but Notre Dame absolutely should not be in the playoffs. Yeah, they should not be. I, I I think you're in a year that the 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 three the top three made sense. I think the fourth team could have gone a lot of different ways. Um I I think ultimately Cincinnati, Notre Dame Whoever it is playing Alabama, they're not playing within two touchdowns. I think Notre Dame would beat Cincinnati on neutral field for whatever it's worth. So if you want to you want to put Cincinnati in the playoff just because you want to give them a participation trophy, that's fine. I, I, I think you were in a situation year, this year that there wasn't a good selection for that fourth pick. Yeah, the, the committee lost all respect. I mean, they... They should not be doing this. I thought the committee was going to be better. The BCS was better. In fact, what we need to do is we need to go to a 16-team playoff 
Let every single eight, division eight, in eight FBS is send their conference championship and then have six at large. I, again, but you talk about Cincinnati. Okay, let's just... I, I, Cincinnati barely beats Tulsa by three points. They barely beat UCF by three points. That same UCF team that lost by, I don't know what the final score ended up being tonight, by 40 points to BYU, like... Like I know you love Cincinnati, you you would you cuddle up to them at night, you pray to this, the, the fickle gods, but dude, let's not pretend like this is like that great of a team. They barely beat a team that lost to BYU by forty points. They probably don't even beat by BYU. Coastal Carolina is the better of the two options, but it it doesn't matter. In a sixteen team um, playoff, they make it also, and and none of it matters only because all team playoff. And it, it honestly doesn't games. matter because the final, the championship is going to be Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State. Yep. So you can put all the teams it's in you Clemson. want. It doesn't change. Clemson it. is going to destroy Ohio State. So I don't buy that. I do. So I, I, this is why the eight teams cannot work is because what they're going to do is they, the committee, and this is the worst freaking committee, they, all they would do is they'd put Cincinnati or any other group of 10 at number nine. They'd never advance them. There's a this this year has been yeah, sickening well, for the group I, of five I, I'll teams. I'll agree with you. Get rid of the committee. Go back to the BCS yeah. system. Let the BCS system figure out the rankings for the bowl system, or for or not for the bowl system, but the, for the for the playoff system. Yeah, I looked at so, your eight but, teams, but but the, okay. So and, Adam and, 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 and really, they're, they're the BC in my scenario, the BCS is only coming up with three spots because you're taking your five power five teams. The conference champions of the five, the five power fives, let them let their automatic bids, and you take three wild cards. But but you guys say that the committee is just throwing shit there. Adam McClintock, a friend of the podcast, he predicts what the playoff committee is going to do every week by just looking at numbers. So you guys could say they're they're not giving credit. They're looking at the same. They're looking at numbers just like the BCS is. Like wow. it, it may be a little bit different numbers. Maybe they need to look at the the uh, quality of field uh, play because. Well, they should, and that's why Cincinnati's not in the playoff because they're playing in a subpar conference. So, what are the computer rankings? Yeah, the, the Massey the, the, the rankings why, had why Cincinnati four. Carolina, why is Coastal Carolina cleared down like fifteen? Like they got a top uh, ten I, win. BYU was a, was number nineteen when they beat them. Yeah, we could debate that. I mean, again, I think because I mean, I I could argue a little bit. I think victories on the field performance matters. Um, I I I I don't know if they got Notre Dame right. Coastal Carolina, Coastal Carolina should have been Cincinnati. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. Coastal Carolina has as many top ten wins as Ohio State does. Okay. Anyway, let's get out of here. Alright, special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter, at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Taylor, Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. As always, Go Big Red. Go Big Taylor. What? Touchdown! Gives third.